Hey, I'm Brandon. And I'm Hannah, and we're the pastors at New Community Church. Yeah, and it's our hope that this message inspires you to take your next steps in your faith journey with Jesus. Thanks for joining us today, and enjoy the message. As Jason said, we are finishing up our 15 days of prayer. And during these 15 days of prayer, we've been taking time just to hit reset on our souls and create the space for us to seek the Lord. And while we've been doing these 15 days of prayer, we've been holding this verse in front of us. Go ahead and put it up. We've been holding this verse in Hosea. It says, sow for yourselves righteousness and reap the steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. If you aren't familiar with the book of Hosea, uh, uh, it's a book that's found in the Old Testament of our Bible. And it was written during a time when the people of God were experiencing an intense season of spiritual decline. Their relationship with God was broken, and Hosea was sent to them to send this message of grace, to send this message of love, and really, Hosea was sent as a sign of warning. Really, he's more like a a fire alarm, and uh, the thing that we know about fire alarms is they don't go off when it's convenient. They go off when there's danger, right? They're they're meant to jolt you into action. They're they're meant to get you to change, to get you to uh, get going. And I can remember a few months ago, we had a fire alarm go off in the middle of the night. And it started in one room, and eventually, not eventually, it was like two beeps, and then it was like the entire house, the fire alarms were going off. And so Bree and I jump out of bed. Our kids meet us in the hallway. Well, all except for our teenager, she slept through the entire thing. Like, how does she do that? But anyways, we all had this, like, adrenaline rush going through our bones, you know, and it was all for a false alarm. We just, we had a dead battery that set this crazy alarm system off. And I don't know why they always go off in the middle of the night. Like, why do they do that, right? But Hosea wasn't a false alarm. He was sounding a real alarm. He, he was trying to get the attention of the people of God. See, Hosea, in this letter, he lists out all these ways that God's heart has been grieved because their relationship is broken. And it's in the middle of these grievances that he pauses and he says this verse right here. Is where he says, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. In the first week, we spent time looking at this phrase, break up fallow ground. We unpacked it. Fallow ground is unused ground. It's ground full of potential, but it's growing unused. And the people of God had grown complacent in their relationship with him. And all that potential, all of the things that God wanted to do in and through them was like fallow ground. It was unused potential. And sometimes we allow complacency to lead our lives. We allow it to lead our decisions and we end up compromising on things that we never thought would be shaken. And the people of God had compromised again and again and again, and they drifted so far, so far away from their relationship with their Heavenly Father. And so God sends Hosea and says, break up your complacency. Break up that complacency where it's leading you into a place where you don't want to go. 
It's leading you into a place that you don't want to go. He's saying break up those places where you've been complacent with decisions and it's caused you to lead a complacent life. That's what Hosea's mission was. And he was calling the people of God to pay attention to their discontentment. Pay attention to discontentment. Now let me tease this out a little bit. Sometimes when you feel discontentment, we just we just have this response where we react like Eeyore, like where we have this mindset we are like, well, I guess it's always going to be this way, right? Like we, that's our mindset. Like we just, things are discontent and it's just how it's going to be. But I want you to think about this, that discontentment is a fire alarm. It's a warning signal. It's meant to catch your attention. It's not that you just keep going on and just let things fall to the wayside. You pay attention to that discontentment. And I want you to think about this thought for a moment, that all movements in history, all movements in history that have been propelled forward, they started when someone started to pay attention to the discontentment in life. So think about it. Martin Luther, he was discontent with how faith had changed, how it drifted from where it once was. Uh, Abraham Lincoln was discontent with how we were oppressing our neighbor. Martin Luther King Jr. was discontent with how we were loving one another. Mother Teresa was discontent with how we were caring for one another. And today, a fire alarm is going off. It's going off, and some of us, we allow this complacency to lead our lives, and we've, we've had this response, well, I guess it's always going to be this way, but this alarm is going off to catch your attention, to catch you to spring into action, to jolt you into action, into change. Listen, that doesn't mean that the areas that we're discontent in, that we just quit, that we just give up on. We don't quit our job. We don't quit our marriage. Come on, y'all. We don't quit our paying our bills. We have to create the space for God to come in to speak to us and show us a way to make the change that needs to happen. See, Martin Luther King and Martin Luther and Abraham Lincoln and Mother Teresa, each one of them fought to bring a change. They fought to bring a change. And I believe today God's calling each one of us to pay attention to the discontentment in our life to pay attention, to not give in and say, this is how it's always going to be. Maybe there's discontentment in our culture with the way things are in our culture, or maybe there's things in your relationships where there's tensions and you've just given into it, or maybe the, the divisions in our community, you just said, well, I guess this is how it's always going to be. And God's saying it's a warning sign. It's an alarm going off. It doesn't have to be this way. Listen, he's saying, open your eyes to see. Open your eyes to see. Don't allow that spirit of apathy drive you. Don't allow that mindset to that, well, this is really their problem. They need to handle this. Come on, allow God to stir something in you, to start something in you where he creates the change through you. That's what God's heart is for us today. And so he's saying, break up this complacency. Pay attention to this discontentment and start sowing the right seeds. 
Start sowing the right seeds. This is what we talked about last week, sowing seeds. And uh, we're constantly sowing seeds. It's built on this idea that you reap what you sow. It's it's an age-old principle. You reap what you sow. And something that was said last week that just has been sitting with me is this thought that everything I say and do is sowing a seed. Everything I say and do is sowing a seed. Just let that sink in for a minute. Like, that's pretty big. Like, every word I say, every action, the media I consume, I'm just sowing and sowing and sowing. And so if you don't like the harvest that you see in your life, well, then it's time to sow a different seed, right? It's time to sow something new. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. Listen, if you don't like the harvest in your life, it's time to sow a new seed. It's time to sow the right seed, the seeds of righteousness. And that's what, that leads us to what we will be talking about today. Hosea says, for it is time to seek the Lord. In order to sow the right seed, it's time to seek the Lord. You have to seek the Lord. You have to seek his perspective. These 15 days of prayer, they're meant to get our attention, right? They're, they're, they're meant to get us to slow down enough to hear God's voice, to have his perspective lead and guide us. They're supposed to stir up an anticipation for, for more of the Lord in our lives. But just because these 15 days are ending doesn't mean that we stop praying. It means we keep pressing in. It means we keep seeking him. Listen, God wants you to seek him and see, see him uh, and build you up and build your relationship, with, relationship up with him. God wants you to experience what can happen when you sow these right seeds of right living. He wants you to experience it when you spo- s- spend this time uh, sowing seeds with him. Because when you sow seeds of right living, you will reap the harvest of his steadfast love. That's what will happen. You will reap the harvest of his steadfast love. And his steadfast love, that kind of love, it changes you. It compels you. It moves you. It sets you into motion. And that's what all this is all about. It's about being set into motion. And this is good news for you and for me. Because no matter who you are or what your story is, God wants to do something in and through you. He wants you to experience a love that changes you, that will flow through you, that'll be a conduit of you spilling out into the relationships around you. That's what it's all about. And God's saying, listen, don't let all of this potential go into unwasted space. Don't become that fallow ground. But allow me to do something in you. There's something that God wants to do in and through you. So seek the Lord that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. Today, I want to help you discover just three ways of how you can build a life, a lifestyle of seeking the Lord. And these principles that we're going to be talking about today, they're just baseline. Like, they're just things that are simple, like, expected in a relationship in order to build a relationship. They're just baseline. They're not going to blow your mind. They're just simple things that you can apply in your here and now. And I promise you, if you if you apply these things in your life, you will experience that steadfast love of your Heavenly Father because you will be sowing right seeds, seeds of right living. And here's this first one. It's stay repentant. Stay repentant. 
Uh, when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses on that door in 1917, uh, the 95 theses were his 95 things where he was upset with where the church was going at this point. And so he nails these 95 theses. And do you want to know what the first one was that he nailed up? The first thing he wanted to address, it was this. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said repent, he willed the entire life of a believer to be one of repentance. He willed the entire life of a believer to be one of repentance. Martin Luther thought it was so important, this idea of repentance, that he made it the first thing that he addressed. It was the very first thing because the truth of the matter is, is that the one thing that hurts your relationship with God is an unrepentant heart. It's an unrepentant heart. It's, it, it breaks the relationships. It, now, I'm not talking about that initial repentance where you receive salvation. I'm talking about an unwillingness to change, an unwillingness to change. See, sometimes we, we see these places in our lives, and we know that we've been wronged, and we use them as an excuse. We say, well, I deserve better than this, and so we respond differently. We, we think, well, I, I can get away with this because this happened to me. And the truth of the matter is, is when you have that mindset, the problem is, is that you think you know better. You're justifying yourself rather than being justified by Christ. And when we have this mindset, there's, there's just an unwillingness to invite God's conviction and God's correction, and God's guidance into our lives. But staying repentant, it's about an attitude. It's a heart posture. It's, it's saying, God, you can say whatever you want, when you want, and how you want. It's inviting God's presence into your life. Think about it this way. Think about it when somebody wrongs you, whether they do it intentionally or not. Think about it when they wrong you, and they don't apologize. They don't own it. It hurts, right? It breaks the relationship. It doesn't build it up. And it's the same way in our relationship with God. When we have done something wrong and we don't own it, it breaks our relationship with our Heavenly Father. It creates a rift. And, and the truth is, is that there's a shame that goes along with our mistakes, right? Like we, it's a natural response. We try to hide it. We try to cover it up. And it kind of reminds me, of when a child is caught eating chocolate that they're not supposed to be eating. Like, they have chocolate everywhere. But even though you can see the evidence of that chocolate, they will deny until they are blue in the face that they have eaten chocolate, right? And it's the same in our relationship with God. We, he, he knows what's going on. He sees the chocolate all over us, but we deny that we've done something wrong. And listen, every time that we've done something wrong, and we don't own it. Every time that we don't confess it, whether we intend to or not, we're communicating this, that I don't trust you. I don't trust you. I don't trust what you're going to say. I don't trust how you're going to respond. I don't, I don't trust how that you will still love me, and so I'm going to protect me. I'm going to cover up. I'm not going to own up. An unrepentant heart was one of the things that Hosea was sent to send a warning symbol to the people of God about. They were, they were dishonoring their relationship with God, and pride had built up, and they were living in a way where they thought that they knew better than God. And so God sent Hosea 
to let them know that they were walking into dangerous territory and that they were about to experience some consequences for their actions. And I think it's super interesting that Hosea's, um, the, that Hosea's name, his name means salvation. It means salvation. And if you're unfamiliar with the meaning salvation, it means deliverance from the power of sin. Deliverance from the power of sin. And I don't think Hosea's parents realized what they were speaking over their son's life in this moment. But that was literally the call of God on his life. He was sent to tell them to be delivered from the power of sin. And that's the reality of sin, that there is a power. It has the power to hold you prisoner. But as Jesus followers, we have been set free from the power of sin. Listen, Jesus came and he died and he rose again so that we could live a life and have it to the full, that we don't have to be prisoners to our sin. We don't have to hide and cover up our mistakes, but we can bring them to the Lord and know that we will be met with unprecedented grace. That is the hope that we have. And so anytime that we make a mistake, we don't have to hide. We don't have to pretend like it didn't happen. We can come to that throne of grace. In fact, scripture tells us, it says, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize in our weaknesses, but we have been one, we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Let that soak in. It, just as we are, Jesus was tempted in every single way, yet he did not sin. So then let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive the mercy and find the grace to help us in our time of need. Listen, Jesus understands our weakness. He understands the struggle, and he doesn't ask for us to be perfect. He asks for us to come to that throne of grace and receive that mercy that we need for today. That's his invitation for you and for me. And every time we go to that throne of grace, we're taking a step of trust, and we are building up our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Listen, repentance hits the trust structures of your heart. It hits the trust structures. It runs deep within you. It's never, it was never meant to be a one and done kind of thing. But the more that I come to know Jesus, the more I realize my need for him. Repentance hits, it hits the way that we, it's, 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 it, it changes the way that we're, we're supposed to respond. It's, it's not a behavior modification. It's about changing our natural response and learning to be conditioned to this grace that we've received. It's learning about being vulnerable again and again and again and trusting our Heavenly Father. It's about having this posture of staying bowed before the Lord. It's about humility. So stay repentant. Keep that repentance in your heart. Allow that to lead your relationship. And you will experience that steadfast love from your Heavenly Father. Here's the second thing. Here's the second way to build a lifestyle. Stay persistent. Stay persi persistent. Jesus taught us to pray. He said, uh, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For anyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be open. Jesus taught us to keep on asking, to keep seeking, and to keep knocking. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. He's saying pray persistently. 
pray persistently. Prayer sows trust. It sows trust. And trust is the baseline of any relationship. It's the foundation of any relationship. And so persistent prayer isn't like us whining to God and trying to get him to change his mind. Persistent prayer aligns my heart to God. It aligns my mind to God. It changes. It doesn't change God. It changes me. It changes me. I want you to think about it this way. When we don't pray, prayerlessness, it communicates to God that we're, we're just saying, hey, I've got this. God, I've got this under control. I, I can handle this. But persistent prayer is saying, hey, I, God, I need you. I need you. Listen, anytime that we have this posture of prayerlessness where we're just trying to take things under control, it reminds me of a two-year-old trying to buckle themselves into a car seat. Like they got that middle clip, but they're just not coordinated enough to get those bottom two, right? And you're just standing there and waiting and waiting. And God's the same way. He's just watching you and me live out our life, trying to figure out our faith journey. And God's like, hey, can I just buckle us in? Can I just get us going, right? Like that's God's invitation for you and for me. When we persistently pray, pray God is say we're creating the space to put our faith into action. Because we're entrusting our whole self. We're entrusting our worries, our cares, our hopes, our dreams. We're entrusting all of us, ourselves, into the hands of our Heavenly Father. That's what prayer invites us into. Listen, the enemy of your soul, he doesn't want you to pray. He doesn't. He wants you to be on the defensive of life. Like, he just wants you to react to life, react to your past, react to your struggles, react to your old mindsets, react to your addictions, react to your your circumstances. He wants you to be reactive in life. But prayer flips that. Prayer makes makes, uh, puts you into motion, and that's what God's prayer for you. Listen, when I played soccer in high school, one of the things that you learn really quick is that when you stand and wait to receive a ball that's been kicked to you, there, that leaves a whole lot of room for the opposing side to come in and get the ball, right? But when you are... When you react, it creates the space for the opposing side to come in. But when you are engaging, when you're actively leading, when you are actively running towards the ball, it changes the dynamic of the game. It makes you proactive. It means you're leading the situation. You're leading, you're you're chasing after the ball. And that's what God wants for you and for me. He wants us to be chasing after the life that God has given us. Listen, when we are persistently praying, that is the only way in the presence of God, in the in the middle of our storms in the presence of God that's when he can speak to the storm and silence it right it's in the middle of the storm where he can call us out of the boat and take those steps of faith but we have to be persistently praying we have to be we have to be proactive in our relationship with our heavenly father we have to step out of the boat and see what he can do in those moments if we aren't praying we're reacting but if we are we're proactively leading and allowing our Heavenly Father to lead and guide us. One of my favorite people is Mother Teresa. And if you aren't familiar with her story, she um, 
right after she became, took her vows to become a nun, she became a high school teacher in India. And shortly after that, she was a headmaster. And one day, she was in prayer in 1946. And it was during this moment of prayer where God broke her heart for the least, for the last, and for the lowly. And when God broke her heart, I mean, it was so heavy and so overwhelming. She knew that she needed to step away from being this headmaster at a school and go serve the sick and the lowly. And what I love in this moment is God takes her posture of persistent prayer, and he takes her posture of persistent yes, and God multiplies it beyond anything that we could imagine. Listen, at her death, at her death, there were 4,000 nuns serving under her. At her death, there were over 600 foundations that had been started to serve the least, the last, and the lowly. And they were spread across 123 nations. That's incredible, y'all. Like when we take our posture of persistent prayer, God takes it and he multiplies it and he expands it and he does way more than we could ask or think. And with her simple yes of, yeah, I'm going to go serve the sick, and I'm going to go serve the poor. God started a wave of change that the entire world took notice. The entire world. It changed the way that we engaged the last, the least, and the lowly. And it was all because of this private prayer moment in 1946 when God spoke to Mother Teresa about a thing that was breaking his heart. What could God do in your private prayer moment What could he stir inside of you where he opens your eyes to see something that you've never seen it before? And what wave of change does he want to take and make through you? So stay repentant. Stay persistent. And here's the third thing. Stay expectant. Stay expectant. It's my prayer for you that you would build such a life of trust, such a life of faith that just like the Apostle Paul, you could, when uh, just like the Apostle Paul, you could see this and know that this the same thing. This the same thing is true for you. Read this with me. It says, "For I am convinced that nothing could ever separate us from God's love. Nothing could separate us from that steadfast, unchanging." Love, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, come on, or our worries for tomorrow, neither the powers of hell nor the powers of hell can separate us from God's love, or no power from the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed to us in Jesus Christ. Come on, if God is for us, then who can be against us, right? If God is for us, then who can be against us? Listen, my prayer for you is that your confidence in your Heavenly Father stirs you into action. It stirs you into faith because when you live expectant, you live differently. It changes the way you, you think. It changes the way that you follow after your Heavenly Father because you know that God doesn't want to just do something in you, but God wants to do something through you. Listen, expectant people live different than comfortable people. 
Expectant people live different than comfortable people. So when you live expectant, you won't become complacent because you're staying repentant and you're staying persistent. And God is, there's that space for him to, to sow into you that steadfast love where you experience that unchanging love. And that love, when you experience that love, it moves you. It changes you. It compels you. It, it breaks your heart for the things that breaks God. And that kind of love, it's there it spurs you into action there's an urgency in your step because you know that God wants to do something in and through you he wants to do something in and through you listen just last week we every serve before service every Sunday we're praying in a circle and the person holding my hand right after the prayer stood and said hey Hannah I have a word of encouragement for you and God used them to speak a, a word to me about a prayer that I have been circling. Because they had this expectant heart, God was able to speak through them. And when God, when we have this posture before the Lord, this expectant posture, God uses you to build up his church, to encourage his church, to hold his church in your heart. But it was never about just in this moment, in the here and now. The apostle Peter he calls us he calls us living stones as jesus followers we're living stones we we have the holy spirit living inside of us and so it, it's never about just these church walls but we have the holy spirit living within us and so we are walking and moving little temples of god right and so everywhere we go we have this opportunity to invest in someone that god wants to wants us to invest in Every opportunity, we have a way that we can do something in the name of Jesus, in, in Jesus' name. It kind of reminds me, like, you know when you're on a missions trip and you, you anticipate God doing something through you in those environments, right? Like, you've created the time. You went to a different community. Like, you're anticipating God doing something through you there. But it doesn't just have to be on a missions trip. It can be your every single day. God wants to do something in you and through you. When we first moved up to Hanover just a, three years ago, Brandon and I had this, this, uh, this sense of uh, unexpected. We, we weren't expecting to feel the way that we felt. We uh, didn't realize what it would feel like to be in a community where we didn't know anybody. I mean, we went to Kroger, didn't know anyone. Went to gymnastics, didn't know a soul. We were aliens in our in our neighborhood. Like everybody knew that we were new, right? But it was in this, in that, in the newness, God gave us a new perspective. Like we have an incredible opportunity to treat every relationship like a like an opportunity to share the love of Jesus with somebody else. Because. Expected people respond differently than comfortable people. And how does God want to shift your perspective? How does he want to shift you from that comfortable mindset to that expectant mindset that God wants to do something in me today? Whether it's at the grocery store or at work or with my neighbor, what does God want to do in and through you? How does he want to use you? And I love the way the Apostle Paul encourages us. He says, 
he says, uh, don't burn out, but keep yourselves fueled in a flame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in the hard times, but pray all the harder. Listen, as you keep this posture of seeking the Lord, as you keep staying repentant, as you stay persistent in your prayers, stay fueled, stay expectant, and know that God wants to do something in and through you. And he will lead and guide you. And when times get hard, don't quit, but pray all the harder. Pray all the harder. I really believe that God wants to start something new in each one of us today where he's just fanning something into flame. So I want to invite everybody to stand with me this morning. To close today, I want to give you a challenge. I'm going to be honest, the challenge is not to seek the Lord. Because in my mind, that's just baseline. Like, that's just, that's what you should do in any relationship. To invest in a relationship, you need to seek after it, right? If you want to go somewhere in your car, you have to put fuel in your car. It's the same in your relationship with God. If you want to go somewhere in your relationship with God, well, you have to seek after Him. You have to go to Him in prayer. And so today, I want to give you a challenge. And challenges are not easy. And challenges are uncomfortable, and challenges are meant to stretch you. But I really believe that God wants to start something in each one of us today. And here's your challenge. Pay attention to the discontentment. Pay attention to the discontentment. Maybe you're discontent in your family and the way that you've been relating to one another, the way that you've been talking to one another. And today, God's you've gotten your attention, and it's time to address the way that you're talking and start building back those bridges of trust with one another. Or maybe your discontentment is how we've been loving one another in our community. And God wants to start something brand new in your life of how he's making a wave of change in and through. What are the things that are breaking your heart where you've just had this response where you're like, I guess this is how it's always going to be. And God's saying, it doesn't have to be that way. What does he want to start in you? What passion does he want to start in you? So right where you are this morning, would you just raise your hands to the Lord? Just as the symbol of saying, hey, God, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm ready for you to start something in and through me. I want to see your Holy Spirit flow through me. God, we open up our hearts to you this morning. Would your Holy Spirit come and fan into flame just those passions that you have close to your heart. God, I pray right now that we you would break our hearts for what breaks yours. God, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Would we be able just to, to be the, your hands and feet to the community? Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey with Jesus. Yeah, and we'd love to connect with you further. And the best way to do that is at our website, thenewcommunity.church, where you can connect to our small groups, find other resources, and even give to the work God's doing through New Community.